0: in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters
1: and now the news the united states beat mexico three to two last night in the nation's league final and this is one of the greatest games the U.S. and Mexico have ever played. I don't even know where to start to try to describe to you what happened last night, but it was a soccer game that took over three hours to play.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know how he does it uh, legally, but Adam Hill has streams of everything going on during a Golden Knights game. This was one of them along with the Mayweather fight. Um,
1: VAR. My goodness. How do you say VAR in Spanish? VARO. I'm not really sure. Uh, It's okay. We won. We won. It's fine. Um, So if you're familiar with CONCACAF soccer, (laughs) CONCACAF soccer can be pretty brutally ugly where a lot of teams in this region pride themselves on not actually playing the sport of soccer. They pride themselves on trying to play as little of the sport as possible during a game. So that happens in general when the United States plays Mexico. But then we got to extra time. And we had a penalty for the United States. Thanks to VAR, Christian Pulisic scores it. He runs to the corner where there's a bunch of Mexico fans and shushes them while they're getting pelted with cups. And then Mexico gets a penalty awarded by VAR. A few minutes later, penalty was saved by Ethan Horvath, backup keeper, forgot about that part. He yeah, he was by the far game.
0: the MVP. Everyone's talking about Pulisic's uh,
1: PK. I didn't understand that, but Ethan Horvath, like, is like, oh, that was... Horvath, you, unbelievable. You'd never, like, predict that. Yeah. Unbelievable that he saves the penalty coming yeah. off the bench earlier in the game. And then there's more cups and stuff being thrown onto the field over the course of the game. Like, seriously, soccer games are on time all the time. Less than two hours for almost every soccer game. Now, this had extra time because it was a tournament final, but this soccer game took over three hours to play because of how much just crap happened during the game that they had to keep stopping. They had to stop it at one point because the Mexican fans had the uh, – The anti-gay slur that they like to chant and CONCACAF's response to that now is they stop the game, bring all the players to midfield and say, and try to tell the crowd, if you keep doing it, we're going to pull the players off the field, wait 10 minutes and come back out. And then if it happens again, the game is postponed until tomorrow. And so it happened in that game. The first step of that went into place. I guess they stopped or they stopped the liking of the referee that they played on. It's... It's the most ridiculous soccer game I think I've ever watched.
0: Let me tell you something. This was in Colorado. It was over three hours. If tomorrow night's night's game is over three hours, you're not going to light the response from me on Twitter. If that thing's over three hours tomorrow night, even with the 6 o'clock start Pacific local time, that's all I ever care about. What time is start locally? It will not be good if that thing's over three hours tomorrow night. And with overtime, it could be. So yeah,
2: what are you thinking? Three overtimes, Jared? Four tomorrow? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for at least seven. What's the record? Five? Six? Oh, it has to be. I thought, yeah. it, was, I thought it was. Of all
0: time? Yeah. All-time record? Yeah.
2: I thought they did it last year in the bubble. There was a game that just never ended.
1: I don't know. What was it? Good memory. Next question. Uh did want to mention this NBA game as well, because the up. Atlanta Hawks went into Philadelphia and took game one from the Sixers. 128-124. Now, two things. First off. I'm not sure the 76ers can guard Trey Young. What I what I don't understand in the NBA is how teams that have good perimeter defenders can't figure out how to guard ball screens. Because this happened a lot in the Clippers Maverick series, but it also happened in this one where the Sixers have Ben Simmons. And when the Hawks set a ball screen, which was every single possession, they either switched it and let Trey Young just brutalize Danny Green. Or in the second half, they started trapping Trey Young, and all Trey Young had to do was make a pass, make and all a of pass sudden, to it's someone who's open three and yeah. they got a wide open three on every possession. When they when you have Ben Simmons, a six ten point guard, what I don't understand is how you can't figure out a defensive strategy to where you don't have to switch or trap where he can just fight through the screen and get back to Trey Young in time and play defense from there.
0: Yeah, I just uh, you're right. And Trey Young is becoming one of those players like we talked about last week. If you don't like a team, like you just want to watch him now. Like he has that kind of, you know, magic to him that you, you just you, you don't even care about the Hawks. You're talking about does anyone want to play with Luka? I mean, does anyone want to go to Atlanta as great as Trey Young is? Yeah, I mean, do, do you, not you not want to play bad. in Atlanta? I mean, I'd <laughs> rather play in Dallas. Nothing, you know, Luka, Trey Young, both great players. But if I'm going, I'm I'm probably going to the Mavericks. Did you watch the end of that game? Yes. The Yeah, the lob for the dunk. I watched that. I
1: have never seen an NBA team try to throw away a game. Like as the as Hawks, the like the Hawks. Hawks like it it looked like a high school team was playing a middle school team, and you just you just press the hell out of them and you know you're gonna force a turnover. The Sixers were down like fourteen yeah. with yeah. like three minutes to go, yeah. and all of a sudden it's a one possession game because the Hawks couldn't get the ball across midcourt. Yeah. I had my
0: wife scream my son walked out when they're like ten, and then I got to two and my wife was screaming at him, Dad said to come back, it's not over yet.
1: <laughs> and he ran back in and then they won the game. Next question. James Harden will not play in game two tonight against the Bucks. The Nets won game one, even with Harden leaving in the first quarter. Um, what are we doing with the Nets? Are they still title contenders if James Harden is out? I think they're still
0: title contenders. Um, this was, I don't, it wasn't as bad as Anthony Davis, but I've just, maybe we talked to Jamison at, at 930. Have you ever gotten a sense he's been in shape in the last two years? He just looks so out of shape all the time. And that's when you're that out of shape, uh, or at least perception wise. I don't know if you know what kind of shape he's really in, but things like hamstrings go. like th- that's usually like a sign if a guy is out of shape with how much they are asked to run and jump and cut that the hamstrings kind of go. Um, whether it's Anthony Davis and Groin. certain things happen to guys whose bodies aren't completely fit uh, and Moy. What did he go out yesterday? Two times down the. I don't know if he. Yeah, he made two times down the yeah. court, and the he was first, and the he was first done. time
1: he drove to the basket. And he was done. First yeah. time he drove, he like pulls his hamstring. I don't think he hasn't had a significant injury in his career, right? Not like a blown or knee or anything. Recently. Not like a blown yeah. out knee. Right? So like this is the first time recently that James Harden has had serious injury concerns, where he missed like a month during the regular season, and now I mean anything in the playoffs is serious, even if he only missed one game. Um. So yeah, it's it's interesting with Harden. I, I think the the part with the Nets though is. They have Kyrie Irving. Like, the, the the way their team is constructed, Kevin Durant and James Harden are the two best players on that team, and then Kyrie Irving is a very good third player, but Kyrie Irving's role was always more about, okay, if one of those other two get hurt, now we need you to be really good. Otherwise, he was just... He's, he's good. He's, he's there, but he right. didn't need him. But he's good. But now you need Kyrie Irving. So, I still think they're title contenders as yeah. well. Um, it hurts them a bit because they're defensively still aren't great, but... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are still two of the best shot creators in the league. Just one-on-one isolation, whatever you want. You don't even have to run offense for them. So still legitimate title contenders. And especially if the Hawks are actually going to give the Sixers a series here, then going to the Eastern Conference Finals, whoever gets out of here with Bucks and Nets, it might not be a situation where, uh-oh, they've been, you know, the Sixers have been resting for a week and Hawks are, or excuse me, that the Nets have to come and play right after they finish seven games.
2: When watching that, were you confused at the Bucks' like, game plan as far as, like, defensively? Like, it didn't seem like they had one. Yeah,
1: it's the Nets. What are you going to do? All you have to do, all the Nets have to do is give their two best players in isolation, and they're going to be one of the most efficient offenses in basketball. They actually run offense. They're going to be the most efficient team in the history of the sport.
0: If you don't watch him all year and he's healthy, though, we talked about who the best player is, you know, if you throw LeBron to the side. Durant's amazing. Yeah, he's absolutely amazing. If he if he's I mean, healthy, it's just it's ridiculous what he does uh, would, in uh, terms of shot
2: making. I will now that uh, Giannis was pretty like like has done some things, especially in that game that I was like, did he just get fouled three times on his way to the rim? I was still waiting for another it, dunk. And, yeah. Oh wait, nope, nope, no foul. Okay, fair enough.
1: Jared's a Bucks fan. Yes, I am. Man, you know that's a great question. Major League Baseball. It was supposed to be our year. We'll have umpires randomly check pitchers for illegal substances. Buster only reported that you could have as many as 8 to 10 checks per game. The uh, the punishment here for a pitcher getting caught with an illegal foreign substance is uh, you're immediately ejected and it's a 10 game suspension but this won't start for two weeks which is a little strange. I feel like you could just implement it right now because it's already in the rule book that you shouldn't be using it but uh, Major League Baseball Month more than a month into the season, ready to crack down.
0: Did you see? uh And this is you know, it's, a, it's an anti-Dodger take. You'll be surprised, but it, I thought it was funny. Dylan Hernandez of the Daily Times. Did you see him ask Bauer after the game yesterday about this in terms of the spin rate and they're going to check more? And are you worried about that? And Bauer oh. said, "Go check the stats from 2018 and let me know what you think." But that didn't really deny he didn't use it in no. 2018. It's so, like, what does that mean? It's no. like if you've you, if you used it your whole career,
1: then. Who cares if we go back and check the 2018 stats? That was a very bizarre answer. So here, it is. here you go as far as spin rate goes, because the whole idea of using these illegal substances is to get a better spin rate. Before 2018, Trevor Bauer's RPMs on his fastball was 2,300. Then in September, one start, it jumped up to 2,700, right? Last year for the Reds, his spin rate was also 2,700. So September of 2018... It appears as though Trevor Bauer started putting illegal things on the baseball and jumped his spin rate up. So far this season, Trevor Bauer was leading baseball in spin rate at over 2,800. What do he have yesterday? 2,600. Yeah. It fell 200 RPM. Yeah. And that is the first game he's pitched since Major League Baseball. Said we're going to crack down. Yeah. We're going to start checking. And he gave pitchers. up a couple. Well, he gave up at least one yeah. home run. Yeah. The, Trevor Bauer is the pitcher that... In but before that jump in September of 2018, his career ERA was 404. Since September of 2018, his ERA is 231. Uh yeah, Trevor Bauer's been cheating for a long time.
2: Got Hey,
1: then you ain't trying if you're not. Can you explain this tweet to me? Jorge Castillo tweeted this. Dave Roberts said he doesn't <laughs> think pitchers applying foreign substances on baseballs is cheating until rules are imposed and broken. What the hell does that mean? Well, if you're cheating, you're
0: breaking the rules, so that doesn't really make sense. Um, obviously, they're starting to po- impose them now. Uh, he says, "I think we're getting to that point. What point? I guess to impose the rule." Okay, but but if you're if you're if you're cheating, then you're breaking the rules.
1: So right. I don't understand He's, what that quote means. He says he doesn't think foreign substance in <laughs> baseball is cheating. Wait, it's it's in the rule book. They might not enforce it. Well, that's the thing. They haven't enforced it yet. So he's saying it's not cheating until baseball enforces it. So it's not cheating until baseball says, "Hey, we know we wrote this in the rule book, but now we're going to tell you verbally, you can't do it." I've told you, I've been uh, behind this bandwagon for a very long time.
0: Best team in baseball wins despite they win despite him using Dave
1: Roberts' logic. The Astros never cheated.
0: Major League Baseball uh, didn't enforce it. I assume, yeah, they did not enforce the banging of the drum. So, David Roberts, uh, Doc Roberts probably thought they didn't cheat anyway. And Based get, and on that logic. Even though he lost in the World Series to them. They weren't cheating. I mean, I, I think they were cheating. Just like I think all these guys doing, the you know, the, the doctoring the balls are cheating. I don't know what he was talking okay. about.
2: Isn't there also the steroid argument to be made that if everyone's doing it, is it even cheating at that point?
0: Well, it's like I told you before the show. So one of my friends tweeted, you know, is there any question Fernando Tatis is the best playing baseball? And I, I tweeted back a picture of Mike Trout and his contention as well. There's a, rumors or innuendo that he juices. And I'm like, I wrote back, I'm like, look, man, if I worried about that, I wouldn't like anybody in sports. So, you know, what I mean, you've either accepted or you haven't. I mean, to continue to say, like, I'm, I don't like that guy because, you know,
1: because he juices or whatever. Really, who do you like? Mike Trout, Medina Spirit. <laughs> What do you think is in the hay that Mike Trout's been eating? <laughs> All right, coming up next, <laughs> why the hell didn't the Raiders trade for Julio Jones? What's going on, bro? <laughs> man,
2: nothing much. About to go meet up with my brother. What's happening
1: with you? Man, look, you want to go to the
2: Cowboys, Julio? Or you want to stay in Atlanta? Oh, man, no, nah, I'm out of there, man.
0: It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas,
1: and Julio Jones is out of there. I think he knows he's on there now, um, but
0: to be very careful when he's talking to Sharp again, because he, because he's come out and now said, I had no idea it was on the radio <laughs> or television.
1: So Julio Jones traded to the Tennessee Titans for a second and fifth round pick and the John Gruden special, the Falcons sent a sixth round pick back to Tennessee. <laughs> How didn't Gruden make this trade? It's like a perfect trade for Gruden. I love that NFL teams do this. Yeah. They're like, we know we're giving up our best player and we know we're getting back some draft picks, but so we got to send you yeah. one back. We got to make sure. Gruden's a master at that. You get a pick back in this one. So he's going to Tennessee on the Raiders side of this, a second and a fifth.
0: Why do you think the Raiders did? I don't use? know if that's the, if that's the price, that's obviously the price. That's what they did. I, I have no idea. I don't know why that they didn't uh,
1: they didn't make this trade if that was the price. It's going to look pretty bad this year if Henry Ruggs struggles again and like John Brown or Willie Sneed, the two veterans they signed, if, if one of them doesn't have a Nelson Aguilar type season and we're looking at the Raiders offense as, okay, Darren Waller's good and who else, right? If we're talking about Hunter Renfro as the slot receiver as the second best receiving option on this team, it's going to look pretty bad to go back to the offseason and see, Oh, Julio Jones went for a second and a fifth. Now the reasoning behind why the Raiders wouldn't trade for Julio Jones. Like the only reasoning is the salary cap because right now the Raiders would have to clear cap space. They'd have to release or cut guys most likely to make room for Julio Jones because he's going to cost $15 million against the Tennessee Titans this year against the cap. But I think if we look at the offseason as a whole, it all goes back to that Colton Miller deal. They gave Colton Miller an extension and increased Colton Miller's cap hit by $9 million this season. $9 million for a player that was already under contract for this year. They increased his cap hit. had they not done that they would have had an extra $9 million, plus they got about $2 million right now they could spend. Now you only got to cut or release like one or two players rather than four or five. It's much easier to trade yeah. for Julio Jones. So if you look at this offseason as a whole that Colton Miller deal it. It looks really bad for as far as the Raiders trying to build a team.
0: Worse than Alex Petrangelo.
1: <sighs> Golden mm. Knights are 2 2 in the second yeah, round. That's true. So Um
0: I still They're think i I still oh, the series hasn't started. I still think you're right. It would have been much more difficult, but you can make the cap work if you absolutely have to. I mean, yeah. they say that all the time. If you have to and you think the player is valuable enough, you make the deal. It's funny because D- leading up to this, and uh, I know um, Paul Gutierrez had some quotes from inside the organization. And I told the lead, and it's like, Well, what would they call they called um Ruggs uh untouchable? It appears they didn't even have to give that guy him. up. No. It appears that Tennessee didn't, <laughs> didn't even want Henry Ruggs because they got a second and a fifth and threw back a draft pick. So it's like, Wait a minute, I, it, he didn't even need to be untouchable. We're talking <laughs> last week, you were saying, We're saying, okay, who's untouchable? For whoever. I mean, you throw Aaron Rodgers aside because I don't think anyone's untouchable for him. You, you take him. But, like, a high-level player, I said, Carr, you're reminded to be about Waller, Carr, Waller, untouchable. But it appears that the that the Falcons didn't care who was untouchable. They just wanted <laughs> draft picks, which is—I I don't know why. I mean, nice of the Titans. They get a team in with A.J. Brown. They had lost Corey Davis. They had lost Johnny. Smith. They had lost some weapons. So now you get Julio Jones on one side, A.J. Brown. I mean, I think they're a lot better. But I was with you, and, and here's the other thing. You can believe reports, or you don't have to believe them, but all along it appeared that the Raiders, in a lot of people's minds, were the leading leading team to get this guy. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But if this is all they had to give up, I, I would have hoped they would have at least been in it.
1: Yeah. like you're. Well, actually, I would hope they wouldn't have been in it. If this is all it took, and the Raiders were interested, and they didn't offer a second and a fifth, I would hope the Raiders weren't involved. I just can't believe the Titans, if they took a second and a fifth, like, People
0: had to know that was the market, right? Because if the if John Gruden would have called and said, you know, a third and whatever, don't you play that off others and say no, it's a second and a fifth, yeah. and then Gruden says, well, let me think about it.
1: It's like, no, you don't think about that. Well, the return seems so low that they probably didn't have much of a bidding war. Yeah, like conceivably, not not that he, I don't know, I don't think people expect. I mean, what was the question all along? Is second, he worth a one? They didn't even get to that point, yeah. obviously. So yeah, I, it's not a deal if you're the Falcons. Now the Titans, the. Fascinating team because, fun fact: the Titans' defense by DVOA ranked worse than the Raiders last season. Um, they're terrible on that side of the ball last year, but they were top four in both offensive uh, passing and rushing DVOA. Very good rushing team with Derek Henry, but also a, a very good passing team. Ryan Tannehill has been a very efficient passer. Not a ton of volume most games, but a very efficient passer since he's been in Tennessee. Now they have AJ Brown. Now they have Julio Jones. But I don't know that it matters unless their defense gets better. Like, no. they're going to have, they're more than likely going to have a top five. They might even have a top three offense in the NFL this year. But their defense is, it was basically Raiders level defense last year. And they're not a legitimate Super Bowl contender until that defense is at least top half and probably closer to top 10. Now,
0: I'm actually a little surprised given what their defense does on some of the odds that have switched. They went from 40 to 1 to 25 to 1 in the Super Bowl. For to win the Super Bowl, to me, that's, that's a much. huge yeah. jump. If your defense isn't very good, that's kind of a huge jump. AFC twenty-one to twelve to one. They are now co-favorites with the Colts in the South. But here's the thing: this tells y'all you, you need to know their their total went from nine wins to nine and a half. So it's like okay, which is again Super Bowl from forty-one to twenty-five to one and nine to nine and a half on the total. That seems kind of off if you compare them. But I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders. I think they're probably well, they're better offensively, obviously because they got him, but. Nine to nine and a half doesn't mean that they're exponentially better at all. They're just kind of yeah. a little better. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's when you have a good offense, like again, they were top five passing offense last year, adding Julio Jones. There's only, you can only get so much better offensively. Actually, I should say this about the Titans offensively. What could change is the amount they run the ball. The the Titans, they, they, they run it more than what anybody but the Ravens mm-hmm. in football pretty mm-hmm. much. And if you're going to have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on your team, I know Derrick Henry is good. Passing is more efficient. Passing is a more effective way to move the ball. Passing is a more effective way to score points. If you're going to have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and you have a good quarterback, Ryan Tannehill's been a good quarterback, they have to throw it more. Like Derrick Henry, cool. He can run for 212 yards. Derrick Henry is really good. Passing is more effective than running, even when you have Derrick Henry.
0: Yeah. Jared will appreciate this. I'm not happy because Derek Henry's who I one of the uh, ones I protect in my dynasty league. I didn't like this trade at all.
1: Oh, you'll be fine. Yeah, they're He's not still gonna, gonna get the highest it. use. I'm saying <laughs> they need to. It doesn't mean they're going to. We're still we're listening the Titans are gonna lose a playoff game where Derrick Henry has 43 carries, Julio Jones and AJ Brown combined for 6 catches and 37 yards. Yeah, Cuz they give it, up 35. Yes. No, it's yeah,
2: and somehow Patrick Mahomes is going to go 6 for 7 for 300. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, "How did we lose? We we established the run."
1: Yeah. Don't be worried. You should maybe be worried if you're like an AJ Brown fantasy owner because AJ Brown goes from being the only awesome wide receiver there to being one of two. But, yeah, you'll be Yeah, but Julio Jones doesn't score touchdowns, so you're fine. That's a good point. Yeah, Julio's going to lose some yards if you're A.J. Brown, but you're going to get a lot more touchdowns.
0: You really put it in perspective that if Henry Ruggs isn't good, the guys they signed to be Nelson Aguilar, this guy is so much better than them, and that's all you had to give up. you're, You're counting on guys to be Aguilar. We're like, say the names again. John Brown and
1: Willie Sneed.
0: I mean, think about that. I mean, you know, nothing yes. against them personally, but literally it was Julio Jones.
1: Yes, the, the ceiling on those guys is what oh. Nelson Aguilar did last year. That's the, That's ceiling, the ceiling on those though. guys. Yeah. Yeah. Julio the, Jones is a top 10, yes. at worst, top 15 receiver still in the NFL right, right now.
2: The, the the only time that John Brown was basically functional was his second year in Bruce Arian's offense in Arizona. And all they had him do was run nine routes. Didn't, tra-
1: didn't he have a good year in Buffalo, too? He had an okay year okay. in Buffalo. Yeah. Like, but that's the thing. Like, He's had... And so was Willie Sneed. Willie They've Sneed had, had a good season
2: in uh,
1: New Orleans, and they immediately were like, bye! Yes. Like, but you're saying
0: good season. Yeah. but You're talking he, about a guy who's... Not Julio Jones. No. Not, not even no. close to Julio Jones. Right. It's not even the same conversation. I mean, it's just... Like, it's, what's a
1: video game? You're talking about, okay, can you get like 800 receiving yards out of Willie Sneed or John It Brown had to be... The
0: the season? If they were in it as much as people thought, and this was the market for him, then like you said, it's got to be 100% cap. There's no way Gruden with a straight face will say that he couldn't give up a second and a fifth, especially if it was a John Gruden switch route well, he's getting he, a big he gets back. A this, back? Time, oh, yeah, this time he doesn't even have to send it. he gets one back. He can't look at a camera when he talks again, not sure when that's gonna happen, and look at a camera and say you wouldn't have paid that price. It has to be the cap. Yeah. That you would pay that price any day of the week for Julio Jones.
1: <gasps> Getting the pick back, oh, what a superstar!
2: When when does the review journal just go ahead and send Adam Hill to follow John Gruden around? Because I, I don't think has anyone seen this guy since he hung out with Dabo. No,
0: no, I saw him running down a hill with Dabo, or he ran down the hill and Dabo, Dabo was standing there going, "What's this guy running down the hill for?" I wouldn't do that. You might trip and fall. Like Dabo was Dabo was at the at the bottom of the hill saying, "Look at this guy running down the hill." All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. Wanna be part of the show? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion.
1: He sh- his pants.
3: This
0: isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hockey Guy. I'm out.
1: Ryan, how are you this morning? Riot? I'm good. How are you guys? Important question for Woo-hoo. you. Would you throw your hat during a hat trick? Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. You have to, right? I Listen, uh, Justin Emerson came on earlier this morning, and he said hats are like 30 bucks. He didn't want to waste 30 bucks.
3: It, it's not a waste. Like, how often are you going to see a hat trick in the playoffs, especially? Like, I'm sorry. If you're close enough, here's the thing. You have to be close enough to be able to get the hat on the ice. If you throw the hat and it doesn't make it to the ice, then someone else just has a brand new hat. So as long as you can make it to the ice, you have to throw your hat. It's, it's something you've got to do.
0: I was thinking that last night looking down from the press box. A lot were either coming from the upper level or way back in the bottom one, and it almost has to hit five different people to eventually right. get to on the right. ice. I'm like, yeah. it, it, the, 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 if you're near the ice, okay. but And that was, I don't know about you, Ryan, I mean, there's not a lot of these things. That was one of the longest uh, delays I've seen with the hats. That thing, it never ended.
3: No, it it didn't. And I I think it was kind of cool just kind of to prolong that moment. And, you know, at at times you're sitting there thinking like, oh, well, maybe this gives Colorado a little bit of a rest. But they were so broken. It didn't matter. You could have given them an extra intermission and they wouldn't have been able to figure it out.
1: Uh, so how far can you throw a hat? Like, how do you know how many rows up you are versus how far you can throw a hat? Because I don't go around throwing hats to know how much distance I can get.
3: Well, I mean, I know how athletic you are, so you probably have to be in the second row.
1: That's um, even harder because you got to throw I, I, it up. You need to be back at least like 10 because <laughs> you got to go straight up if you're in the second row.
3: I, I don't think you have much distance to your game, Tyler. So, um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've never actually been able to throw a hat on the ice because I've never been at a game as a fan where there's been a hat trick. Do so, you, I, I couldn't tell you, honestly. I have, I have no idea what the actual trajectory is of throwing a hat. Like I, I don't go out there and try to play Frisbee with my hat. Like, I couldn't tell you. But I think if you're in the, in the lower bowl and you can get close enough, you've got to make sure that you're going to hit the ice. Because, again, if you don't, <laughs> it's a waste of a hat. So,
0: I can't believe that many people wear hats. Don't oh, you wear cool a hat every day? No, I wear a hat every day, but unless I'm covering the game, obviously. But I, I am always amazed that that many people have hats. I'm telling you, last night, it never stopped. It was amazing. like, there's this many hats <laughs> in this arena?
3: It's, it was crazy. Well, it, it, it's always sunny in Las Vegas, and you need hats. In this this city So like I'm not surprised That there were that many hats
1: So okay If you're throwing the hat are you going frisbee style, like flick the wrist off your off your hip, or are you got to go an overhead? No. Like, what's getting the best distance here on the hat?
0: My son's really good at disc golf, and he does the frisbee. You know, but he does he's so good. Like he does the front frisbee. I do like behind, like the the, the bad oh, frisbee. He doesn't do backhand. No, he, he does, does like a front flip. He's like really good. I don't know if that would work, but that but the frisbee see, the frisbee throw seems a little better than just chucking it up in the air, right? I would think it's, so. Have, there's but... no wind inside. You really don't have any motive. You know. I don't have any, like, motivation to go up high. I don't know. I don't have a hat on.
1: Ryan, have you ever played uh, disc golf before? Uh, no, I've never been frothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did, Ed, does your son call it frothing or disc golf? No, it's says disc golf. Okay. He's got, like, yeah, 50 well, of them, though. He's got, like, bags and stuff.
3: Is.
0: You, have golf, you have bags and, Wait, like, 50.
1: Do you it, play in Vegas? Oh, distance? disc golf! There's there courses everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've never seen. You one. have your driver, your putter, your short game, every different uh, kind of disc. Oh, it's insane! Like in Mississippi, one of the houses we lived in, we were I could walk to a disc golf yeah. course, but I've I've never seen one here. Oh yeah, there are. Oh. Yep. Yep. Yeah, why do you see so annoyed? at <laughs> Why this, do you Jared? seem so annoyed at it? Because like, my
2: brother-in-law, every time he's here, is like, "Nah, we're gonna go disc golfing," and I, everyone else goes, "Can't we just sit in the park and drink?" <laughs> 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 Why do we have to pretend? Why do we have to pretend we're doing an
1: activity? <laughs> okay, be better about it. Um, all right, Ryan, here's a hockey question for you. Best explanation yeah. you have, how have the Golden Knights shut down Nathan McKinnon in the top line?
3: Well, they've made him play in the defensive zone more often than not. They have gotten a good matchup with Stevenson, Stone, and Pat Ceretti out against Nathan McKinnon, Nico Ranton, and a Gabe Landis. Dog. But really, it's been the Golden Knights' commitment to their game plan. They've been pressuring on the four check, making it very difficult for the Avalanche to break out of their own zone cleanly, and really, really good in, in managing the puck through the neutral zone and managing their gaps through the neutral zone. So what's ending, what, what ends up happening is you've got Nathan McKinnon, who's frustrated because he doesn't have time and space, and instead of the Avalanche making simple plays to get themselves into the offensive zone and a little bit of time to set up and, and work for some plays, they're getting frustrated and they're trying to dance around five different Golden Knights players through the neutral zone and it's hero puck. Like they're they're trying to do it all themselves and they're very disconnected, very disjointed, and incredibly frustrated right now because the Golden Knights are executing their game plan to a T. Uh,
0: do you think um, and it seems this way? Now they're gonna go home where they're twenty oh and one, so my guess is they'll get a little push on that in terms of their mindset. Are they overthinking the room here? You listen to Bednar on a daily basis. One day he's ripping them. Last night he said, well, I like the push. I mean, They seem like they don't know how to fix this, and they might be overthinking the room a little.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Bednar went to ripping them after Game 3 and kind of trying to build them back up after Game 4. But you remember, Game 3, the comments were about compete level. The comments were about, how the Golden Knights were just outworking the Colorado Avalanche, and I didn't see much different in game number four. So my main question is, did, was, did, the, did the Colorado Avalanche kind of take it to another level in game four and it still wasn't enough, or is there another gear that Colorado can get to? I do think that they'll be buoyed by playing at home, but I think if you're a Golden Knights fan, one of the things you can, you can feel good about, at least as you go into game five, is that we go back to game two. And yes, Colorado was very good in the first period and the golden Knights were under siege. But from that point on in game two, second period, third period kind of throw out the overtime because it wasn't long enough to establish anything really. And then the golden Knights take a penalty, but the golden Knights were really, really good in Colorado in the second and third period. So, I think that Vegas is in a really good spot here. There's a lot of pressure now all of a sudden on the Colorado Avalanche, and I'm just not sure how they're going to respond to it because yesterday's game was a challenge from the coach to the players, and it's a challenge that they did not live up to.
1: So if you are the Colorado Avalanche and your top line's being shut down and mm-hmm. you don't seemingly have responses, and maybe you did take it to another level and couldn't get uh, an actual good result or well played game in game four. What are you doing for game five?
3: Well, I think that you've got to try to play a different way. Like, not in terms of, of individual skill, but get pucks in deep, right? Like the Minnesota Wilds were able to push the golden Knights to to a game seven. Not because they were trying to make fancy plays to the neutral zone, not because they were trying to look for highlight real passes or highlight real plays. But they got pucked in deep. They got to the blue line or they got just inside the red line. They put it in the golden night zone and then they went back and got it. The avalanche are fast enough to do that. It's just a, it's just a mindset shift of, okay, we, if we can't carry the puck into the, into the offensive zone, we're going to dump it in and then we're going to go get it and then we're going to score a goal. So for me, Colorado has to just simplify how they play the game. They can't be afraid to dump and chase, and then that should open other things up if they go down that route.
0: Yeah, someone said after the game last night, it was interesting that, I don't know if stubborn is the right word, but they still seem to play like, you know, a little cute here and there, the turnover that went to the Marshall goal, that they do things, it's like, you know what, when you're losing like this, you kind of get a getaway, maybe a little way of what you won so easily with, that they just... They won't change that. They, when you watch them play, they still do some things like, well, that's kind of a dangerous thing when, when you're losing games like this. And you're saying that they got to go simple. They don't seem to embrace that
3: concept. You know, it's funny because Colorado reminds me a lot of that Tampa Bay team that was swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets and my favorite coach, John Tortorella, because <laughs> that Tampa Bay team wanted to beat you 7 or nothing, right? Like they wanted to find that next goal, they wanted to make those pretty plays. And it wasn't until they suffered that loss that they started to say, okay, you know what? We know that we're going to play a team like they're playing right now in Carolina. We're going to slow the game down. We're going to make it kind of a a muddy track, and we're going to win the way the game intends us to win or the way we have to win here. And for the Colorado Avalanche, they want to win one way. They want to be pretty. They want to execute. They want to rely on their skill and individual talent. And when the Golden Knights have taken that away now for eight periods, they don't seem to want to change. So if they want to change, that's how they get back into the series. If they don't, then they're going to learn a tough lesson, one that the Lightning learned a couple of years before winning a Stanley, a Stanley Cup.
1: Mark Stone in 2019, Matthias Janmark in round one this year, Jonathan Marchessault so yesterday. Who will be the next Golden Knight to have a hat-trick in a playoff game?
3: Oh, man, I got to say Alex Talk. Like, is this, <laughs> this guy is just really playing well and not getting the reward at all. Like, he, he's been great on the back check. He's been great in terms of, of his pressure on the forecheck. He's just lying out there. And so I've, I've got to go with with Alex Tuck. And, you know, it, it probably won't be. It'll probably be like Nick Holden or something <laughs> the next time he plays a game. But, you know, Alex Tuck's a good pick, too.
1: Not Patrick Brown?
3: You know, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go with a fourth line player, right? Like, <laughs> you you, you got to go with Patrick
1: Brown, that can actually score.
3: That <laughs> like that guy he, hes so interesting to me because he's an incredibly smart player, and he just does what needs to be done every single time he's on the ice. Like, I I love what he's been able to bring to the lineup since he's been in.
1: All right, Ryan, get out of here. Go play some disc golf for us. Thanks, Ryan. That won't happen. Thank oh, you. Come on. So, how much has your son spent on oh, frisbees I can't for this disc
0: Bags, discs, and stuff. The thing about it is, when you're really good, it is pretty amazing what they can do with those discs. And he does the front like flip. And when you're really bad, like me, it's not good because I'm just throwing it like I did a frisbee, like you know, when you're a kid, you throw a frisbee. Like I thought that was it, and then you see people who can play. Like, yeah, this isn't good. I shouldn't be out here. This is embarrassing.
2: Does it like sort of? give you a little like hesitation the fact that he's described his son as a disc golfer who's also a beer snob like if he if, if you throw in fraternity member i'm literally like okay cool <laughs> let's never hang out <laughs>
0: Disc golf is uh, very interesting. There are courses, though. I can't believe there uh, are you know, no courses. I don't know. There's haven't, tournaments? I haven't looked for them. But, there's tournaments? Yeah, I don't know. There's I everything there. some crazy disc golfers in this town.
1: There's stores devoted just to it? The the f- strangest thing about it, at least the first time I played disc golf, was learning that it wasn't just a normal Frisbee, that there are specialized, like, driver Yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more serious. I thought we just grabbed a no, plastic one. No. Fling it down the corner. No, no, no. There's no.
0: strategy around trees, different spins to bring you around the tree. I mean, it's it's serious <laughs> stuff. All
1: right. Coming up next, our sharp is back for day two. He's got to get to five before he finds out what the mystery jersey is that we are trying to give away. So James will come back and lights FC. Oh, they finally won a game. <laughs>
3: It's time to find the
0: sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets.
1: Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Despite losing James Harden, the Nets still covered three and a half. So Jay is back for his second day. We have a mystery jersey to give away. If you get to nine, you get to five, we'll let you know what that mystery jersey is. So Jay, where would you like to go with today's pick?
3: Oh, tonight. Can I pick a parlay or can I just pick one game?
1: I mean, if you really want to pick a parlay, you can, but you only have to pick one game. Do we count it if
2: uh, he gets to both?
3: I'm going to take the Phoenix Suns money line tonight.
1: All right, so we got you in for the Suns just to win straight up against the Nuggets. All right, sounds good. So if the Suns win, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow. Gotcha. All right, thank, thank you, Jay. You. So. Later, Jake and the Suns. What the hell do you want to parlay? Does, this is does like he Jared. understand
0: the concept of the contest, which is you only need to pick one thing. You don't need to pick two. I
1: blame Jared four. because every time we let Jared do it, Jared is like, all right, I'm picking seven baseball games, <laughs> first five innings over under.
2: I mean, I figure the more specific I get, the more likely I am to like eke out a win.
1: I'm waiting for you to like tease it to like, all right, first two innings. <laughs>
2: Plus seven.
1: Yeah. All right. Lights FC but won a game. But the Dodgers game. lose. Yeah, the Dodgers <laughs> always lose. Dodgers lost last night, didn't they? Yeah.
0: Trevor. Oh, they've lost. Yeah, they've. Trevor Bauer didn't have his pine tar no, and struggling.
1: sunscreen mix, so struggling. What are they in? Third in the division still. Yeah. Three yeah, back. Still better than lights in their division though.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: Uh, lights won though. Were and you I, at that game? Uh, of course I was. How many at that Toyotas
0: game? showed up, absolutely? Uh there about
1: it. five or six Toyotas. So there are spaces
0: for more though, if you wanted to show up.
1: Yeah, cuz it's okay. just the whole right field of Cashman Field you can park your Toyota. So, 5 yeah. or 6 Toyotas. This good. Yeah, 5 or 6 Toyotas were out there um parked behind the benches with people sitting on their cars or in their tailgates to watch the game. Um but yeah, and so here's the fun part about the actual game. Remember 2 weeks ago I told you they played Phoenix and they got outshot 41 to 10 in that game. Saturday, they outshot Tacoma 18 to 4. Like, they, they were the dominant team in this game. They only gave up two shots on goal the entire game. Didn't even give up on the entire first half. So, if you extrapolate that out, we're looking at what Phoenix would outshoot Tacoma about 60 to 2. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the keeper on the second goal, I think his uh, uh, his team let him down a you, little You saw
1: highlights? Yeah.
0: So, well, oh, not, they put highlights man. on Twitter. They put highlights on Twitter.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. I you actually saw thought highlights. that.
0: Both goals, to me, personified and defined how bad Tacoma is.
1: Yes. Well, the Tacoma actually survived quite a bit. See, I did, all I saw were the two goals. Like, and there, they don't appear to be good. There were about three or four other chances that could have been scored that okay. Lights did not score on. So those were his two bad moments of the game. But I was, I was pumped. I will um, take this time, as I normally do, to personally complain about a couple of things. Number one. Holy hell, the line to get into the parking lot was a disaster. There are people there? Yeah, 7,000. Wow, good for That's what they announced anyways. Well, did you come late, though, expecting to move right in? I got to the stoplight next to Cashman at 6.58 for a 7.30 game. I okay. sat in oh, line yeah. you were, okay. before getting to the parking lot. I did not get to my spot until 7.17. 17. Wow. That's not a very far way to go. It's a no. very, very long no, way to No, one, one intersection is all, I, is all I was trying to move there. Did they take your temperature? Uh, no.
0: They're done with that? They're done with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> honor system? <laughs> yeah, right. Honor system? Uh, okay. Brett might be mad if I say this, but I texted Brett Lashbrook on Saturday, what's your mask policy? Because they had not sent anything to say, hey, here's our mask policy. And he told me that was a stupid question because they had just retweeted Mayor Goodman. Her interview with Anderson Cooper? No, just her holding the Lights FC sign up was what it oh. was. I would have rather
0: Brett tweet the <laughs> the Anderson Cooper interview because that would have put everything in perspective about this do town. Do we
1: need to
2: have Brett on sometime this week so that you can yell at him about parking?
1: I mean, I, I already do yell at him off the air. I guess I can do it on the air too.
2: Well, also so that he can, you know, be like we're
1: open viva lights
2: you viva just want lights. him to say viva lights still have like times? A... i just want him to end it i just want him to end the interview that where
1: you just maul him verbally with viva lights do they still have the food trucks i don't know i didn't get walking in the stadium until 720 you, you didn't see anything i I they might have all been gone i don't have any idea uh, Was did, did you just say that there were only like 21 shots in a 90 minute game that's a lot for soccer where the hell have you been they still still had food in the concourse, though. So. Yeah, don't ask me about the lines of those ones. Jesus.